welcome to the weekly podcast of River Valley Church. We're glad you're here. Our heart is to lead people to Jesus and launch them into their God-given purpose. So we pray you would encounter God in a fresh, new way today. To learn more about our church, visit rivervalley.org. Now, let's tune in to this week's message. You can open your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 2, Ephesians chapter 2, and as you go there, I want to welcome everybody that's watching online, joining online. This is your home at Apple Valley. Can we welcome the online people that are watching right now? We love each and every one of you. Thank you for being a part of our church family. And uh, something that we always say is, is welcome home. Welcome home. And we are in the second week of our family series. And I love that Pastor Rob's leading our church through this family series and he talked about God's design for the family. And over the next few moments before we close out this service, I would love to do week two with a new aspect of what it means to be family. And uh, when we say welcome home, we're saying welcome to our family. Welcome to the family of God. You belong here no matter who you are, no matter where you've come from, no matter what you've done. We want you to be a part of our family. Ephesians chapter 2, this is Paul writing to the church in Ephesus, and it was, it was a call on Paul. He's actually the first missionary, but the, the call on Paul's life, that rhymes, that's nice. The call on Paul's life was to reach people that were not a part of the family of God, to tell them and bring the message that you can be a part of this. See, before Jesus, you had to be, to be in the family of God, you had to be an Israelite. You had to be Jewish. You had to be Hebrew. You had to be in the line of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. To be in the family of God, you had to be a Jewish person. But Paul says because of Christ, everybody can get in on this. Everybody gets to be a part of the family of God. And so he's talking to the family of God, to the church in Ephesus, Ephesians chapter 2. Everybody good? And you were dead in your trespasses. My goodness, we got a good start. You were dead in your trespasses and sins which you once walked. These are people that are following Christ now. Following the course of this world. Following the prince of the power of the air. The spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience. Among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh. Carrying out the desires of the body and the mind. And were by nature children of wrath. By nature we were children of wrath. We were a part of a different family. Like the rest of mankind. But God. But God, who is rich in mercy, because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our sin, dead in our trespasses, he made us alive together with Christ, adopted into a new family. By grace, you have been saved and raised us up with him. And seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. So that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not of your own doing. It's not your works. It's not your good doing. It's not hard trying. It is by grace. By faith. Not your own doing. It's the gift. The free gift of God. Not the results of work. But so that mo no man may boast, for we are his workmanship. He created us all, created in Christ Jesus for good works, 
which God prepared, prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. It's a lot of scripture. Go down to verse 19. So then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone in whom the whole structure being joined together grows into a holy temple in the Lord. In him you also are being built together into a dwelling place For God by the Spirit. I'm going to preach fast. The title of this message is The Greatest Family of All Time. The Greatest Family of All Time. Lord, we just pause right now, just one more time. It's a lot of information, a lot of scripture, which is your word. Lord, I pray that more than information, that there would be transformation, that you would cut to our heart to our souls. You would minister to us. I thank you that through Christ Jesus, we get to be a part of your family, the greatest family of all time. In Jesus' name, everybody said, amen. I'm going to tell you something that really bothers me, if that's okay. Have you ever been to, like, you've been checking out at a store or grabbing a coffee, you've been out and about, or maybe you've got um, somebody, an acquaintance that you know, and, um, and they, they use a nickname for you, uh, and, and you're like, I don't, I don't even know you. Why would you do that? It just irks me. You know, I'll be at Target or whatever and uh, checking out, and, and the person that's, that's you know, checking us out is, is say, like, oh, th- you know, thanks so much for coming, buddy. I need freedom, honestly. Thanks, you know, th- hey, thanks for, you know, you know, my pleasure, bud. Hun. That's where I pause and say, hey, listen, I'm married. You got to stop right now. Champ, sport, sweetheart, handsome, calm down. This bothers me. I don't even know you. Why would you do that? And if, um, if you do that, you need to stop. Just stop. Nobody likes it. Nobody. It's not cool. Use people's names or like sir or ma'am. Let's just do that. Just clean it up. We don't need people giving random nicknames. I grew up, I grew up in the church too. By the way, am I alone or anybody else This kind of bothers you when they use like champ or sport? I'm by myself. Perfect. A couple clappers. That's great. I don't care. I, this is my truth. Just playing. Um... I grew up in the church and, you know, church people, I mean, I'm, I'm a church kid, so I'm a church person, but there are some church people that are different than, you know, me. They, they love to use these nicknames too. Growing up, I thought it was weird. Um, and if you don't know any of these people, you might be one of these people. So just, you guys, <laughs> just saying, I'm not trying to offend anybody, <laughs> but, uh, you know, growing up, be like, hey, you know, good to see you. Nice to see you too, brother. Brother. It's like Hulk Hogan, you know, meeting you. It's like, what are we doing? Nice to meet you. Hey, good to see you, brother. You know, it's always, yeah, praise God, brother. You know, sister. Throw, just throwing this around. And it bothers me. This, it, I mean, it used to bother me, but we're studying about the family. And I'm realizing that uh, that statement about brother or sister 
is actually the truest statement of all time. And as Christ followers, we are a part of the greatest family of all time. And if you're in Christ, you are a brother or a sister. So from now on, I'm calling everybody brother. And I'm going to wear bodybuilder tank tops too. It's going to be amazing. If you're in Christ, you are a part of the family of God. The church of Jesus Christ is the family of God. What are we even talking about? What is the family of God? The family of God is the church. And we're in a family series, and you might have heard that a few weeks back. It said, I'm skipping that series because of what you've been brought up in and the family that you've been a part of, the natural family that you were born into. But I've got good news for you that may not, you may not have a good family. You may not have great parents. You might have not been raised by your parents. And you said, I've been forgotten and my family is broken and dysfunctional. And the good news for you is you can be a part of the greatest family of all time, the church of Jesus Christ. Called the body of Christ, the bride of Christ, adopted sons and daughters. Doesn't matter what kind of natural family you come from. Doesn't matter what nation you come from, what ethnicity, who you are, what gift sets, what your mom was like, what your dad was like. If you had siblings or you didn't have siblings, if you were adopted into a family, you can be grafted into the family of God. 1 Peter 2, 9 and 10. But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession. Who's he talking about? Not just the Jews. He's talking about the church. Back in Exodus 19, they used the same language. God used the same language. But at that time, they were talking about the Hebrews. It didn't get to include everybody. But now because of Christ, it includes everybody. You'll proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you've received mercy. The church is the family of God. We need to understand we could spend all year, every single weekend, talking about this next part of what it means to be a part of the family of God. And, and I want, want to just say, if you're a part of the family of God, you have a father. And not just a father, but the creator of heaven and earth. The one who formed you in your mother's womb in Christ is now your father, the greatest father of all time. Not just a part of the greatest family of all time, but you've got the greatest father father of all time. God is our father and we are his children. Romans 8, 14 through 17, for all who are led by the spirit of God are sons of God. For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoptions as sons and daughters by whom we cry, Abba, father. The spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God, and if children, then heirs, heirs of God, and fellow heirs with Christ, provided we suffer with him in order that we may also be glorified with him. We die to ourselves, 
We pick up our cross and follow Christ. And we are sons and daughters of God. Just a side note to be aware of that we have a fatherless crisis in America. A fatherless crisis. Does it make a difference? It makes a difference. And we're not even talking about all saved fathers or good fathers. We're just saying that there are a whole bunch of kids being raised in this country without a dad. And it is a travesty. There are 18.3 million children. One in four don't have a dad. Being raised with no father in the home, you're four times greater risk of poverty, more likely to have behavioral problems, twice greater risk of infant mortality, more likely to commit crime and go to prison, seven times more likely to become pregnant as a teen, more likely to face abuse and neglect, more likely to abuse drugs and alcohol, twice more likely to suffer obesity, two times more likely to drop out of high school. If you're a dad in this room, be a dad. Nothing will be as transformative to your children. Nothing will be as transformative to your children than the hours you log with them. You don't have to be perfect. You don't have to say all the right words. You have to say, Jesus, lead me as I lead my children. I'm going to log hours with my children and watch God do a miracle in your kids. And just because they're out of your house doesn't mean you stop being a dad or a mom. You are their parent, and it is the role God placed in your life, and you will do it for the rest of your life. As long as you have air in your lungs and you've got children, be a mom and be a dad. It makes a difference. You don't have to be perfect. The cool thing, though, is that if you're here or watching online and you don't have a father, you don't have parents, what you were raised in, you just feel like, you got left behind or left alone or you're disadvantaged. You do have a father when you give your life to Jesus. God the father wants to be your father. And I promise you with him as your father, you are not left alone. You are not disadvantaged. He can redeem the time. You are not behind everybody else. In the father's house, we are all equal. We are all equal and we've got the greatest father of all time. And let's not forget what kind of father he is. Psalms 103. Oh my soul, bless God from head to toe. I'll bless his holy name. Oh my soul, bless God. It's like a song. I love it. Don't forget a single blessing. Oh my soul, bless God from head to toe. I'll bless his holy name. I won't forget a single blessing. Here's who he is. He forgives your sins, everyone. This is who the Father is. He heals your diseases, everyone. He redeems you from hell, saves your life. He crowns you with love and mercy, a paradise crown. He wraps you in goodness, beauty, eternal. He renews your youth. You're always young in his presence, praise God. He forgives your sins, everyone. He heals your diseases. You could pray that over and over and over the truth about who the father is. You may not have an earthy father, but you've got the greatest father of all time. Moving forward, we're brothers and sisters in Christ. Brothers and sisters in Christ. This may not be uh, popular 
but it's true. Because sin entered the world, who was the family of God at the very beginning? Adam and Eve, the very beginning. And God's design was that everybody born after Adam and Eve would be in the family of God, everybody. But when sin entered the world, it broke relationship. There was consequence to sin entering the world and all of a sudden we needed a savior. We needed a way back to God because we were kicked out of the family of God because of sin. And not just Adam and Eve's sin, born with a sin nature, but our sin, separated from God. And it's not popular to say in the church, but those that don't know Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior are not in the family of God. And you might say, well, that's blasphemy. No, they need to be forgiven. They need to be rescued. They need to be saved. They need to be reborn. What Jesus says in John chapter three, we'll read it later, need to be reborn and adopted in to the family of God. And as we move forward, I want to talk about the purposes of the family of God, that we have a purpose as a family. I thought in writing this message, I was just thinking, Man, should I just talk about the attributes of the family of God? Like we're just kind to each other. We forgive. We unconditionally love. It's just, you know, it's amazing. It's, and which all those things are great. But I want to I talk at a higher level the purposes of the family of God. And when you talk about the purpose of the family that you're a part of, you carry that with greater weight, with privilege, with honor. It is an honor to be a part of this. And you've got a role and you've got to live in alignment with the purpose of the family of God. And so if you're taking notes, here's the fourfold purposes of the family of God. You ready for this? Number one, relationship, to know God. To know God. You're part of the family of God. You need to know God. Number two, character. You need to be like God. And the Holy Spirit is shaping us and forming us to be more like God. Number three, function. We are to be an instrument in his hands. To be used by him in the way he wants to use us. Number four, reproduction. To pass his life on to others. To multiply. And I just want to say this. That, that the family of God has changed over history. It was Adam and Eve and then it was going to be everybody else until sin entered the world. But then it was the Hebrews and, and then it was Abraham, Isaac and Jacob. And then it was the Israelites. And after Christ, what is the family of God? It's the church, but the purposes of the family of God back from Adam and Eve through Moses and Joshua through David and Solomon, to Jesus who lived it out perfectly. He lived out the purpose of the family of God, the son of God. He was the only one to ever do it perfectly. All the way to the church, the purposes of the family of God have never changed. Adam and Eve, it was relationship was covenant and commitment. Character for Adam and Eve was godliness to reflect his nature. For Adam and Eve, function was to conquer and rule, dominion. For Adam and Eve, reproduction meant to, to, to fill the earth, be fruitful and multiply. And then the fall breaks all of those. Sin breaks all of those, the purpose of God. In the fall, no more relationship. It's broken. It's broken. They're, God wants to walk with them in their hiding, in their shame. The character was broken. It was faulty character. Function. They lost the dominion. They lost their authority. Reproduction. There was corruption in their descendants, and not just deep descendants, their children. One of their sons killing the other. For Israel, these four purposes, worship of Jehovah, 
living a godly lifestyle, God's authority, God's blessing. Christ living this out perfectly, perfect communion with God, relationship, right relationship. Christ living God in flesh. He wasn't like Christ. He was Christ. He wasn't like God. He was and is God. Christ, function, all authority, all authority. Christ had all authority. For Christ, the reproduction part was the great commission that he was starting, living out, and then passing on to then the church. What does the fourfold purposes look like for the church, and what does it look like for us? I'm not talking about just River Valley Church. I'm talking about the church of Jesus Christ. Relationship for the church means we come and gather and we worship and we pray together as the family of God. That is one of our purposes, to come together and worship and pray and glorify God. Character for the church means teaching and preaching the word of God and discipling those to be more like God. Three, function for the church is that God has given us gifts and ministry to be used. God wants you to be an instrument in his hands to be used in his kingdom. And man, isn't that awesome that he wants to use me and you in his kingdom to use gifts that he's placed in us and ministry through us and reproduction. That's why we do evangelism and outreach because we want this family to grow. This family's got to grow. And in just a few moments, you're going to have an opportunity, whether here or watching online, to give your life to Jesus, which then grafts you in to the family of God. We're going to have the worship team come back up, and we're getting ready to get out of here. You're here saying, man, that's, I mean, that's cool, but how do I be a part of the family of God? How does it work? And this is some evangelism right now. This is the family about to grow right now. How can I be a part of the family of God? We already read earlier, it's not by works, but it's by grace through faith that we are saved. The first part, how do I get to be a part of this family? You need to be born again. Remember the conversation with Jesus and the Pharisee Nicodemus? Jesus says, you need to be born again. And he's like, what? That's going to be a tough thing, you know, because I'm a grown man. And he's like, no, 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 you were already born of the flesh. You need to be born of the spirit. You need to be born again. There's people here, you've never given your life to Jesus. You need to be born again and grafted into this family, the greatest family with the greatest father. Let's read some of that conversation. Jesus answered Nicodemus, truly I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus said, how can a man be born when he's old? Can he enter a second time in his mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh. And that which is born of the spirit is spirit. Verse 16 in chapter three. For God so loved the world. That he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. You need to be born again. And uh, there are some, some theologians that separate these two different things. And we would say they are separate things, but they happen at the same time. You need to be born again and adopted. 
born again and adopted. But when, you, when you're born again, you are adopted. You are grafted in. It's, it's a significant distinction happening at the same time. To understand truly that no matter who you are, where you come from, your nationality, your ethnicity, your upbringing, your mistakes, your goodness, whatever it is, that the, the person you are, no matter who you are, you can be adopted into the family of God. And there's a scripture in Hebrews where it, it uh, and I, it's not in my notes, but for somebody that's listening, you might say, well, God would never want me. God would never want me to be a part of his family. There's no way. I know what I've done and I know what's been done to me and I know the shame that I carry. And, and, and some of those thoughts might be because of the family you were raised in. Some of those thoughts might be sown seeds of an enemy that's out to steal, kill, and destroy your life. And you don't have to believe those things. The Bible says in Hebrews that Jesus, Jesus himself is not ashamed of you. You want to know why? And again, it doesn't matter how bad you are. How far gone you feel like you might be. Jesus is not ashamed of you when you are adopted into the family because you are being perfected. So you might be where you're at right now, but adopted into the family of God, you will not remain the same. So you might say, God would never accept me. He's accepting you as you are to transform you into like him, perfected. And when you get to heaven, when I get to heaven, we have been fully sanctified, fully purified, fully cleansed. We're going to get there by the power of the Holy Spirit living in you and me, by the work of our God and our Father. Jesus is not ashamed of you to call you brother or sister. Isn't that amazing? You know, we read in John 3.16 that, God, you know, Jesus is God's only son. And you're like, well, the Bible contradicts itself. Jesus is the only son who was not created. He was there at the beginning. He is God. He had a part in creating you. Jesus is the only non-created son. He is God. He's always been. But you have been created by God. And sin entered this world. Sin of Adam and Eve. But your sin entered this world and it removed you from the family. But God's not happy with that. Think of Luke chapter 15, the prodigal son. Where the son says, I'm out. I'm good. See ya. He goes off and lives his own way to find out, man, this is way harder than I thought. And I got myself in a whole bunch of trouble. And I'm going to try to go back to my father, not as a son anymore, but as a, a servant. Because even the servants in my father's house are living better than I'm living right now. And what does the father do when he sees his son from a, a far way off? He runs to him. Not to punch him in the face. He runs to him to welcome him home, to welcome him into the family. Can you bow your heads and close your eyes? There are people that are listening right now. You need to give your life to Jesus, to be born again of the Spirit, 
to be forgiven of all of your sin, past, present, and future, and to be adopted into the family of God. To be brothers and sisters with each other, those that are in Christ. Am I speaking to you? Is the Holy Spirit speaking to your heart saying, right now is the moment. This is why I brought you here. Right now is the moment. This is the moment of salvation. You can be reborn right now. You can be adopted right now to be a part of the greatest family of all time, to be a part, a son or a daughter of the greatest father of all time. You can be saved. Their heads bowed, heads bowed and eyes closed. Nobody looking around. I'm going to count to three. When I say three, if you're here and you have the boldness to say, this is me, I want in to the family of God. When I say three, would you lift your hand? For those that are watching online, you can even submit in the chat saying, I'm giving my life to Jesus. And we've got chat hosts ready to give you some next steps of what it looks like to follow Jesus. But are you here in the room right now saying, this is me. I need to give my life to Jesus. When I say three, would you lift your hand in the air? And then you can put it right back down. In just a moment, everybody in the room together, we're going to pray a prayer. Repeating words after me. But these aren't my words. These are words for salvation that we see in the Bible. That you will be saved in this moment. Ready? God's calling you. Today's your day. Ready? One, two, three. Lift your hand. Saying today's my day. Yes. Yes. Amazing. Yes. Yes. There's four people in this room. Anybody else? To be reborn, to be adopted. Jesus paid for every single one of your sins. When we think of family, we think of bloodlines. Oh, I, I was born into this family. We're blood together, family. The cool thing about giving our life to Jesus is it's still about a bloodline. But it's about the blood of Jesus that was shed for you that made a way. It made a way. Jesus made the way. Put your hands down. Church, let's pray this prayer together. Everybody in the room, say, Dear Jesus, I know I've sinned. I know I've fallen short. Please forgive me. Today I receive your gift, the free gift of salvation. Jesus, you are my Lord, you are my Savior. Today, I choose to follow you for the rest of my life. In Jesus' name, I pray. Everybody said amen. Amen. Let's celebrate four people giving their lives to Jesus here in the room. More online.